Psalm 73 today. This is week number two in our Summer in the Psalms series. The writer uh, of this psalm is a gentleman named Asaph. Uh, Asaph was uh, King David's music director. Uh, he was in charge of all the music uh, in the kingdom of Israel at this time. So uh, it's a pretty important position. We see reference to Asaph, 1 Chronicles 16, 1 Chronicles 15. Um, the superscription, that's where uh, kind of between Psalm 73 and then where it starts. Historical, not necessarily inspired, uh, but tells us that uh, Asaph wrote Psalm 50 and then Psalm 73 to Psalm 83 for a total of 12 psalms. In the one we're going to look at today is probably Asaph's most well-known psalm. So Psalm 73, this is the one that uh, is known more than any of the other uh, ones of Asaph. Uh, first 16 verses, we're going to stand and read in just uh, a few moments, but Asaph is uh, complaining to God. He's got a beef with God. Um, and here's Asaph's beef. Give me your eyes. Uh, if you're prone to sleep, listen for a minute, and then you can go back to sleep, okay? Uh, Asaph's complaint was this. Why is it that the faithless, those who want to live my way, don't want anything to do with Jesus or God's word, why do faithless sinners of this world seem to be prospering and doing so well on earth? Why is it that those people who have no boundaries, they do whatever they want, it looks like they're doing better than those of us who have faith. It looks like they have better lives than we do, the faithful. Uh, Asaph is a little bit like the older brother in the prodigal story. Luke chapter 15, recall that? You can turn there if you want. But uh, the older brother in the prodigal story, remember his little brother wandered off, drifted into wild, sinful living, and then comes back home, and dad's all excited, and he throws a party, and then the older brother is angry with his father. Do you remember that? And he's angry with his father because he says, hey, I've been here all along all these years while he was off partying, wild, sinful living. I was living obediently, busting my behind on the family farm. And Ron, Asaph, looks like the, the older brother and says, hey, you never even threw me a pizza party. And, and now the, this, this wild, irresponsible little brother comes home, been eating with the pigs, smells like manure, and now you break out the prime rib. Here's his beef. You ready? That's not fair. You want to say it with me? It's kind of fun. Get a little attitude in. You ready? That's not fair. Now a little more attitude, okay? Like you really mean it. That's, that's not fair. Yeah, that's not fair. Uh, I, I was the good son, and I did everything right. Nothing. Nothing. And now he comes home, and now everything's wonderful, and you even kill the fatted calf prime rib, ribeye steaks, that's not fair. We're going to read the first 16 verses, and I want you to 
as we read, don't just read words. I want you to understand. What was his reasoning? Because he does have good logic, and, and he does see things uh, around him that we still see today. He's unsettled. He's confused. He's got a perspective, and I want you to watch what that is as we stand and read. Uh, try to understand what he didn't think was fair. Okay, let's stand now. Verses 1 to 16. Verse 1, read with me. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance, they threaten opposition. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we're grateful that uh, you recorded somebody asking really hard questions. And I'm grateful, Lord, that you are an awesome God and it doesn't bother you when we ask hard questions, when we're troubled and have a complaint. So, Lord, I'm asking that you'll help us to dig in well to this very meaty psalm. Give us wisdom to understand what it is you're trying to communicate to us through these verses. Lord, I'm praying that you'll help us to bridge the 3,000-year gap between the time this was written and today. And I'm praying, Lord, that you'll show us how these inspired words apply to our lives today in 2015. I want to pause now, Lord, and uh, I want to pray for those who are here right now, and I know for a fact some of them are struggling in their finances. Lord, I'm asking that you might give them wisdom and discernment to know what exactly they should do about their financial challenges. Lord, I, I pray for those right now who are struggling in their marriage. I pray for reconciliation. I pray for healing and forgiveness. Lord, I, I pray that you'll work powerfully in both the husband and the wife where the marriage is uh, sick and not doing well. Lord, I know some right here today 
are struggling with health issues. And I'm asking that you as the great physician might bring healing and hope to each of them. Lord, strengthen their faith muscles as they hold on tight to you. And Lord, I want to pray for any who are here in your church. And the truth is they've wandered and drifted away from your son, Jesus. And even though they show up on Sunday, the reality is um, they've been living far from you. And Lord, some who are here today in your church, the reality is this past week have been involved in some pretty sinful, wild living. Lord, I'm praying that even today you might begin the process of drawing them back to yourself. Might they wake up and come to their senses and realize that if they come running home to you, you'll run and meet them halfway. So, uh, Lord, may, may that be strong and clear to any in that situation today. Help us, Lord, now to experience your presence and your power as we worship, as we study your owner's manual for our lives. And all the church at Walloon said with one voice, you may be seated. Verse 1 is the key. Uh, if you don't get verse 1, it probably won't make much sense. Uh, Asaph says, everybody knows this, surely God is good. Skip a few words, talking to Israel, talking about his kingdom kids, to those who are pure in heart. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. Surely, Lord, you bless those who live faithful lives to you. That makes sense, right? Um, it's just and right that the Lord would be fair to his kids. Our society is built on that premise. Track with me for a minute. You reap what you sow. You work hard. You play by the rules. You say your prayers. Uh, be nice to others. Do your best. Put some money in the offering plate. And here, here's, here's the bargain, okay? I'll do all those things, Lord, and then you, in turn, give me a good and blessed and prosperous and misery-free life. That's kind of how the bargain goes, right? We do our part. We're nice, and we, we follow the rules, and, and we do all the good things. And then in, in exchange, the Lord, you, you guarantee me this wonderful, blessed life. But as Asaph looked around, look at verse 2, um, what he saw so disturbed him that he considered walking away from his God. Now that's, that's strong. Verse 2, look at what it says. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I, I nearly left standing on the God of the Bible. I nearly wandered away, is what he says. So here's the question. What's so disturbed Asaph that he nearly loses his faith? What was it that bothered him so bad that he almost face plants in his relationship with the Lord? Verse 3. Uh, his trouble, uh, he was watching his uh, unchurched agnostic neighbors 
He was uh, looking out at his hedonistic, party-crazy co-workers. Uh, he, he looked at his atheist brother-in-law living the good life, and, and now he said, um, how come they're living the blessed life? How come they're being blessed by God? They're loud and they're selfish and they're full of themselves and they seem to be doing great. Verse 3, for I envy the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked and I thought to myself, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, they're not doing it God's way. They're not abiding by God's book. They're not showing the love of the Lord. That's not fair. Verse 4 continues. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. Even though they drink too much, even though they eat too much, even though they smoke too much, they live in the fast lane, but they never seem to crash and burn. Conclusion Say it with me. That's not fair. That's not fair. Verse 5, they are free from common human burdens. They're not plagued by human ills. They're the picture of health and happiness. Now, do you see his problem? I'm faithfully doing it God's way. I'm doing all that I can to follow the Lord my God, and yet I'm allergic to everything. My cholesterol is way too high, and I gotta prop my bed up because the acid reflux is a problem. Do you see the problem he's got? How come my body's falling apart and the people who want nothing to do with Jesus, they seem to be doing great? That's not fair. <laughs> now, he's just getting warmed up. You ready? Verse six, his complaint continues. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence Verse 7, from their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. Verse 8, they scoff, they speak with malice. With, it, with arrogance, they threaten opposition or an op oppression, excuse me. Verse 9, their mouths lay claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. Now, let, let's just summarize here. The, the people that Asaph sees around him, they're selfish. They're mean, they don't care about other people, they'll walk all over, they'll climb over, as the saying says, their own grandmother to get ahead. And that means they'll, they'll climb over you. And Asaph is looking at that, and as he listens to them talk, they're boastful, and if you don't go along with what they have to say, they will threaten, they act like the world is their own, they own everything, they own you, if you disagree with them, you will get a profane earful from these folks. Uh, they are boasting, proud, mean, entitled, selfish people. And how do people respond to these folks who, who, who are so full of themselves and will do whatever it takes to get ahead? Here's verse 10. Um, Therefore... Their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. <laughs> Do you understand what he's saying? People look at these people and they are drawn to them and they are eager to listen to them. And they, they not only 
listen, but they want to imitate them and do exactly what they're doing. They, they listen to the books that they write. They make their movies, and everybody says, wasn't that amazing? And they sing their songs, and everybody goes to their concerts. Everybody seems to be drinking the purple Kool-Aid they're selling. And Asaph says, what? That's not fair. That's just not fair. It's not the way it's supposed to be. These people are awful, and everybody loves them. And look at how they speak of God, the God of the Bible specifically. Verse 11, they say, how would God know? <laughs> He's busy. He's sleeping. Does the Most High, does your God know anything? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even think he, he's even got much of an IQ. And Asaph is thinking, Lord, smite them with boils. Lord, do you hear them talking about you? At least give them bad hair, Lord. Make their teeth fall out. Give them bad acne. Lord, do something. I can't believe they're talking about you that way and you're doing nothing about it. That's not fair. Instead, verse 12, he continues, this is what the wicked are like, always free of care. And they just keep on amassing more and more wealth. They seem happy. They're only worrying about pleasing themselves. And their money just keeps growing and piling it up. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Now go back to verse 1. This is interesting. Surely God is good to those who are pure in heart. And now Asaph's looking around and seeing everybody around him, the faithless. And now verse 13, surely in vain I've kept my heart pure. I've washed my hands in innocence for nothing. I'm doing it God's way, and look, they're the ones getting ahead. They're the ones being blessed, and look at me. Lord, have I been playing by your rules for nothing? Really, Lord? He's jealous. He's envious. These folks who have no boundaries and do whatever they want to do are doing really well, it looks like to, to Asaph. They're, they're doing marvelous, and I'm struggling. Something's not right. Matter of fact, he probably would say what? Say it with me. That's not fair. That's just not fair. Every day he feels he's being punished for doing it God's way, verse 14. And he says, if I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. If I just let it rip what I'm feeling on the inside, um, I would have harmed some of the spiritually young people around me. Remember, Asaph is the head musician of the Jews, King David's head musician. He says, you know, if I just start talking how I actually feel right now, some of the spiritually immature, I, I would wreck them. So verse 15, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But that's truly how I'm feeling, Lord. When I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me deeply. Verse 16, I'm deeply troubled. I don't like the way this world is going. I, I don't like it that you're not doing, you're not keeping your end of the bargain, God. Trying to wrap my brain around it. I don't get it. I'm troubled. I don't like the success of the ungodly, of the wicked, of the agnostic, of the atheist. 
of the hedonistic. That's not fair, is his complaint. Verse 17, we're going to turn a corner. Asaph is uh, really hot, but I like the fact that even though this was written 3,000 years ago, um, the hard question he brings up is fresh and relevant, and it's as if it was written yesterday. So uh, let's turn the corner with him and see how he resolves his complaint. Verse 17 is key. Till I entered the sanctuary of God. That's how I was feeling until I went and had an encounter with God. Then I understood their final, the people he'd been looking at, their final destiny. There's a shift in perspective here. Verse 1 through 16, Asaph is looking around, the faithless people living all around him. Verse 17, Asaph looks up and he focuses on God, the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, and we gain his point of view and his perspective. Give me your eyes. When we encounter the God of Scripture, when I take the time to get on my knees and communicate with the Lord and then allow him to speak to me, when I read his inspired word and I say, Lord, speak, I'm listening, show me what you have to say to me today. When we worship in song and focus on Christ, verse 17, that's what he's talking about. Then I entered the sanctuary of God. Uh, verse 17, sanctuary is plural, meaning holy places. Then I entered the holy places of God. Old Testament holy place was uh, early as they traveled around. It was the, anybody? Tabernacle. And then later, when Solomon built it, it was the temple, okay? Today, where is our holy place? Today, New Testament, where is our holy place? You ready? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Uh, followers of Christ, we are the holy temples of Jesus. We, we are mobile holy temples. Did you know that? So the holy place where I can meet with Jesus, I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I can meet with Jesus right here today, and you can do that. So when the alarm goes off in the morning... Guess what? You can go into the holy place of God. And can I suggest to you that's a great place to start? Paul, before you even get out of bed, just take an extra minute. Don't fall back asleep. Maybe you'll have to hit the alarm to make sure if you do. But, uh, Lord, today, I just want you to know, today, this day is yours. I, I'm going to live strong for you. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Give me the insight. Uh, so what a great way to get out of bed when the alarm goes off. Just take a minute and get right and connected with Jesus. And then when you're in the bathroom, get reconnected with Jesus, keep going. And for me, I like to put on music first thing. And when I'm getting ready, um, right now, you can write this down if you want, because I didn't know this group. And who's that? And they're like amazing. It's called Shane and Shane. Anybody know Shane and Shane? They've done 10 albums. It's called The Worship Initiative. It's the best worship songs and they just, I don't know how they got everybody's permission, but all the worship songs you really like, the meaty good ones and a whole lot of hymns, 
they've redone them and they're amazing. So for me, uh, Shane and Shane, while I'm getting in the bathroom, getting ready. Um, and then I meet with Jesus in the car on the way to work, on the way to school. And that's my time to pray. So mostly, I'm just talking to the Lord when I'm driving. And wow, Lord, this is amazing. And then uh, I, I can worship and meet in the holy place with the Lord when I come to church and we gather for corporate worship. Did you know that God arranged it so like every seven days we need this? I don't know. We need this. Why? Because that's God's plan for today. It's the church. And, and it's like he knows we need to come together and worship corporately together and study God's book corporately together and love on what we need that like every seven days. So, again, verse 17 he, he enters the sanctuary of God. He focuses on the Lord, and it changes his thinking. It changes his perspective. Verse 2, I want you to see something. Asaph says, I was on slippery ground, Lord. I was in danger of slipping away from you. Verse 18, here's the people who are actually in danger. Surely, Lord, you place them, the unchurched, uh, the people he was envying on slippery ground, you're going to cast them to ruin. Verse 19, how suddenly they're going to be destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. Verse 20, they're like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you'll despise them as fantasies. These faithless people who think they're living the dream, what are they actually living? It's actually a nightmare. You got it, Connie. This is actually a nightmare and it, they're focused on only right now and their future is awful so uh, Asaph realizes you know what those people I was envying and jealous of it, it's not good and now Asaph turns inward verse 21 and he realizes how he was thinking how he was behaving on the inside verse 21 when my heart was grieved and my spirit was embittered. Verse 22, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. I was a brute beast before you, God. Now, give me your eyes. Cows, pigs, water buffaloes, brute beasts. What does that mean? Think with me now. Brute beasts only live in the present. Uh, Brute beasts don't make dinner reservations next Friday for they can look for, oh, we're, next Friday we're going out to this amazing. Cows, pigs, water buffaloes are not looking forward to their birthday party next month. Do you understand? Why is that? They only know the present. Look at verse 21. Here's what Asaph says. I, I was only thinking present. The my focus was only on the here and now. I was, I was senseless. I was behaving like a hippo or a water buffalo or a pig or a cow. And, and Lord, now that I've entered your presence, my mind has changed. I'm doing the U-turn, and I'm turning and running to you. And then he realizes, you know what? I was looking at all the benefits I thought the, the unchurched, the my way people had, but now, verse 23, um, I realize I've got a lot of benefits. Here's what he says. 
yet I'm always with you. Lord, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you're going to take me into glory. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. <laughs> Asaph had lost sight of God, but God never lost sight of Asaph. Verse 23, isn't that good? So, so he was looking around, and he, he forgot about the God to look up to, who was his Savior and Lord, but, but the Lord always was reaching out. And as a matter of fact, it says, he grabbed me by the right hand, verse 23. He, he held on, restored my perspective. I just want to pause for a moment. If you're a Christian worker or a Christian leader here today, there's a danger. So if you're not a, if you're not a Christian worker, if you don't have a role to play, or if you're not a leader here in the church, you, you, you don't have to pay attention, okay? This is just to leaders and workers. But if you're a leader or a worker, he, here's, here's the warning. Asaph spent every day leading choir practices. Asaph every day was in and out of the temple of God, the place of God, every day, singing for the... Sing louder, basses, louder. Uh, and he was so focused on his job that he lost sight of the God he was working for. You see the danger? He was so busy, work, work, sing for Jesus, sing louder, sing better, no, you're off. But he forgot to focus on the God who he was working for. It's the worship of Jesus, not the service for Jesus, that needs to be the focus of our lives. Make sense? And it's so easy to get busy and serve and do, and you're busy, 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 and, and, and then you forget to keep entering into the presence of Jesus and getting the right perspective and get recharged in every way. So uh, the Lord guides us and leads us on earth today in verse 24, and then when our hearts quit beating and our brains cease waving, what's he going to do? He's going to take us to glory with him. Verse 25, I love this verse. Jesus, you're all I want. You're all I need. Could you, could you say that's true for you? Jesus, you're all I want. You're all I need. Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth, eh, I only want you. Are, are you to that point yet? That's a great point to be. And verse 26 is one of the greatest verses in the Bible. Uh, lots of folks, this is like their life verse. This is an underlying verse worthy so if the person that you're looking on with doesn't have it underlined in their bible reach over and underline it for them um, here's what it says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever <laughs> lord, lord my portion my inheritance is rock solid because it's with you my 401k, it's not with Old Kent, it's not with Edward Jones, it's not with Chase or Chemical or Merrill Lynch. Um, my inheritance, the one that really matters, is with Jesus and his bank. And that's a bank that pays great dividends. Verse 27, uh, this is aimed at anyone who's far from God, anyone who's far from the Lord, those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. 
So if you're out there living in the fast lane and, and man, you're, you're doing it, whatever it takes, I'm going to get ahead and I'll walk all over people. Uh, here's what I want you to know. You're living my way. You're drinking at a well that will go dry. I promise you in due time, that well will go dry. Why? Because sin is really sweet for a season, but what happens after it's sweet for a season? Anybody know? What happens after it's sweet for a while? Then it, then, it, then it turns sour and goes south. So if that's you here today, that's, that's what you need to know. And there is a well that never runs dry, and the one who owns that well is Jesus Christ. And that's the final verse, uh, final concluding thoughts of Asaph. He'd come a long way. In verse 28, here's, here's how he concludes. But as for me... It's good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I'm going to tell everybody of your deeds. <laughs> Lord, it's good for me to camp close to you, to stay near you, to keep running back into my holy place with you. Lord, you're my refuge. How could I not tell everybody I come in contact about you? Now, maybe you're here today and you just say, you know, Pastor Jeff, I really don't feel that close to Jesus today. The truth is, I feel like I'm kind of far away. I feel like I've drifted. I, I don't feel like I'm in that holy place much anymore. Write down James 4.8. James 4.8, you can turn there if you want. But there's this wonderful promise I want to close with today. James 4.8, may, maybe you're like Asaph and you're on slippery ground right now and you're thinking, is this Jesus stuff worth it? You know, I, I'm committed to this Jesus and, I, and I'm playing by the rules and I'm nice and I'm, and I'm praying before meals and I'm putting some money in the offering plate, but, ah, Lord, it feels like the bad guys are winning. I, I think I might join them. James 4, 8. Draw near to God... Draw near in the holy place and run to Jesus. And here's what James 4, 8 says. And what's the promise? And he'll do what? So, so all you got to do, you're like, I've drifted. I'm far away. I, I, I think I might even be eaten with the pigs somewhat. Um, you just got to turn just a little bit. And it's like the Lord's going to run and meet you. Remember the prodigal son? I love it. The father is waiting and watching, waiting and watching, and he sees him from a far distance. And the second he sees the son coming, what does the father do? Anybody remember? What does he do? He runs, throws his arms around him. <laughs> Welcome home, son. Welcome home. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you came back. Restores him, forgives him, welcomes him home. And that's exactly what the Lord will do for you. You're thinking, well, I, I think I've wandered. I'm just, just turn, and the Lord will run and meet you right where you're at. And he'll take you from there. Jesus is saying, run back to me. And I'll just say this one more time. Verse 25, Lord, there's nothing I desire on earth but you. That's his conclusion. Lord, I just want you to know, there's nothing on this earth that means more than you, and you're it. And that's the answer 
to the that's not fair question. Because when you got Jesus and you're living close to Jesus, that's fair. And whatever else someone else has, that's just short term and that's going to get all burned up and that's going to go away quickly. But Lord, I'm going to stay close you just pause and allow God's word and the Lord himself to apply his word to your life speak Lord for the next few moments we're listening what is it you're saying to me from Psalm 73 I'm convinced this is such a well-known and well-loved psalm because Asaph's experience is something that most of us have experienced. We're looking around, trying to be the good older brother, trying to uh, work hard, and, and it's easy to get our eyes focused on those around us and all the stuff that they get to enjoy all the the things that they seem to be blessed with and if we're not careful just like Asaph we'll slip and wander and we want to go join them and chase after the stuff the world is chasing after Every once in a while, we have to uh, get woken up, and uh, the Lord uses his word to wake us up. Is it possible today you've, uh, you've drifted, you've wandered, you've strayed, and Jesus, maybe today, feels far away? Doesn't feel close right now. The first step is to recognize you've wandered. Did you know that? The first, the first step is to realize you've drifted. Is that true today for you? Is the Lord making that clear? You've wandered, you've drifted, you've looked at all the things of the people around you, all the things they're chasing after, all the things that they're focused on, and now their goals, their passions, their treasures, they've become yours. Second step is to say, you know, Lord, um, I'm coming to my senses now. <laughs> and I realize that uh, this actually isn't all that wonderful. Matter of fact, I realize now 
Um, in due time, all of that fun and, and all of the excitement now has turned into slop. And I realize I'm actually eating with pigs. And step number two is choosing to run back home to Jesus. And I promise you that if you'll make the U-turn, I'm not going to lay here, I'm not going not to stay here in the slop anymore, I'm going to run home to Jesus, I'm going to make you my refuge, I'm going to spend my life camped out next to you. That's where real life is at. It's true for each and every one of us. So my question is, have you wandered? Have you drifted? Do you realize that you've drifted away and you're not in a good place far away from Jesus? Second question, are you ready to come home? Are you willing to choose to do the U-turn and run back to the Lord Jesus? If you're ready to run back, right where you're at, I'd just like to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to stand I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but I, I would like to pray for you. And if that's where you're at, just say, uh, I've drifted, I've wandered, I need to come home. Would you let the Lord know you've heard? And I'd like to pray for you. Anybody? Lift up your hand. Um, that's me, Lord. I've drifted, I've wandered, I've strayed. I'm not where I used to be with you. I'm coming back. I'm going to do that U-turn. I want you to meet me. Yeah. Are there others? Yeah. Is there anybody else? just want to pray for you right where you're at. Anybody in the balcony? Okay. Lord, I want to pray for my friends. It, this world has lots of fancy bells and whistles and flashy, shiny things. It's so easy to get distracted by what looks like better stuff than we have as your kids. So Lord, thank you for speaking and pointing out where uh, some of my friends have wandered and drifted. We've all been there. Help them, Lord, now to do the U-turn and run home strong to your arms. And I, and I know, Lord, according to your book, that as soon as they take that first step back toward you, you're going to run and meet them and restore them and forgive them Thank you again for uh, your book. It's good to have your book as our anchor, as our owner's manual. Thank you again for showing up with us today. We pray all of these things in the awesome name of your Son, Jesus Christ.